Bladder Diaries, the podcast your bladder wants you to listen to. Tune in to a conversation between a urologist and a former patient about UTI, IC, PBS, and the role your whole body and mind play in maintaining a healthy bladder. Hi guys, it's Anastasia Nori here. Um, with a fun topic about a variety of different testing methods to identify whether you have a urinary tract infection or not. Yeah, so um, what we're really going to look at is how tests relate to recurrent UTIs. So there are many, many tests out there that are associated with um, urine infections, but some tests are going to be more relevant to you if you have recurrent UTIs. So again, and we talked about this in the first episode, is that we are assuming here that you've had recurrent UTIs and everything else has been ruled out. You don't have you know, kidney stones, um, some major medical problem that's causing um, your infections. The imaging um, test category is not going to be that relevant to us here because we, sh we should have um, ruled out that you don't have, again, kidney stones or some foreign body in your system that's causing these recurrent UTIs. Right, so we're not gonna be discussing the most favorite one, the cystoscopy and all kinds of ultrasounds or other ways to measure the capacity bladder and the strengths of your bladder muscles and whatnot, uh, because all this should be already ruled out because these tests look for other uh, factors uh, that could be causing your symptoms rather than just a bacterial overgrowth. So we're looking um, at two most um, kind of in inclusive categories for all the tests out there. But basically, when you think about what could be done with your urine, uh, there are two main things. Uh, one is to look at chemical composition, more or less, of your urine. You know what kind of different cells and chemicals are floating in, in it, um, for lack of a better word. And a second way is to look what leaves in your bladder. The one test of the chemical reactions kind of point you towards um, infection. Um, so they point you towards something living in your bacteria, but they don't um, show that there are signs of that. Whereas the um, other tests can tell you directly that we see what lives in your bladder that is causing the infection or might be causing. Right, so the first group is the signs of infection. And the second group is hopefully some sort of a, a organism that we can all hope causing that infection. Let's look at the first uh, set of tests that identify uh, those chemical uh, factors, I guess, that um, you know, show, demonstrate that we, something is unhealthy is happening. What are the most important ones for those who have recurrent urinary tract infections? So, so probably everyone has had a urine dipstick test where they pee on a stick and colors change. So this, these tests look for chemical reactions that suggest that bacteria are in your urine. They suggest that they're infectious causing bacteria in your urine. So the thing with these tests is that they happen to be very sensitive to um, bladder infections. And we, I think a couple years ago, had a um, blog article that talked about sensitivity and specificity. And basically, these tests are good for people who don't have symptoms. So what does that mean? That means if you get a urine dipstick test and it suggests that you have an infection, that doesn't mean you have an infection. It just means that um, this test is, is showing that there's um, something abnormal 
um, that might be an infection. What it's good at is actually um, ruling out an infection. So if you have um, a negative um, dip dipstick and you don't have any uh, signs or symptoms of infection, you probably don't have an infection. Probably not um, the test for you if you're listening to this because you likely have signs or symptoms of infection. Um, so in the case of people who have recurrent UTIs, one test that has been touted as a good kind of indirect test for infection is something called white blood cells in the urine or pyuria. Um, so pyuria means that exactly, white blood cells in the urine. That doesn't mean necessarily that you have an infection. White blood cells are signs that your immune system is doing something to attack something. Oftentimes that attacking something is infectious causing bacteria, but not always. Uh, the test on the dipstick, there's one that looked to see if there are signs of white cells. Under the microscope, a doctor um, or lab technician can look and actually see white blood cells. So that those are two different ways of identifying white blood cells in the urine. This test is known to be better than just, you know, getting a, a urine uh, dipstick that uh, doesn't specifically look at uh, white blood cells. So white blood cells, whether um, through chemical reaction or white blood cells that are seen directly on um, microscopes are a bit better at telling us that there's some inflammation and likely um, that inflammation might be related to an infection. It's not great, but it is a good indicator that there's something going on in the bladder. Got it. So basically, in this first category of tests, we have two most popular ones, the a dipstick test, whether the one you buy in a pharmacy or uh, the one that you get to pee on at a doctor's office, and a test when they collect some of your urine and look at it at, under a microscope to see uh, what kind of cells uh, are floating there. I guess. Uh, and both of these tests can show a variety of different parameters. But for those who uh, chronically suffer, well, re regularly suffer from urinary tract infections, uh, the most important one is uh, considered to be pyuria, which is an indicator of potentially inflammation that could be caused by an infection that is raging or could be caused by an infection that has passed and you know your body's healing. So. And that's exactly right. And that's why um, I hesitate to say that it's the best test because as you said, the inflammation or the white blood cells that are there could be a sign that your body has treated um, the bacteria and there's still some inflammation, you know, still some residual kind of fight left in your body from that infection. But it doesn't tell us, you know, 100% that there is still infection there. And I also want to kind of um, zoom in on what you said earlier that uh, this whole lax uh, explanation about how the uh, dipstick tests work and that they are sensitive but not specific. What it means is that if you have some sort of symptoms and you're using a dipstick, it's most likely is going to show something. Uh, and it, it most likely is not going to be super useful for you unless some of the parameters are way of, ch of the charts. So it's pretty much useless to buy a uh, dipstick when you do have symptoms. If you find yourself being absolutely healthy pregnant woman and you just want to monitor your urine for any kind of um, you know potential uh, growth of, of, of bacteria or 
just to see if everything is normal, then sure, you can uh, use that. And as soon as uh, something's off, uh, the dipstick test will most likely alarm you before your own symptoms. Well, that's kind of my understanding, right, Ari? Yeah, exactly. And that that's basically just saying the test is only as good as it's as who it's being used for. So again, for that um, asymptomatic pregnant woman who doesn't have symptoms, if there's something abnormal on that dipstick, then that's concerning. You know, you should you would expect it to be negative because she doesn't have symptoms. But if that same, you know, pregnant woman has burning and pain and all of this stuff, then the dipstick is pretty much useless. If it's positive, well, it's likely, you know, we think that she has an infection. If it's negative, you're still going to want to check it out because she's not, she's having abnormal symptoms. So that dipstick in the symptomatic person really doesn't help. Whereas in the asymptomatic person, it kind of helps you rule out that you really don't have a disease, which you kind of new anyway <laughs> <laughs> for some early detection but but yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and and i guess you can probably use it for some elderly people who do not display symptoms or for kids who cannot communicate it but it's all irrelevant uh, if uh, if you are a recurrent urinary tract infection sufferer mm-hmm. and you're an adult and you know how you feel so let's keep the dipstick so um now let's move to this second a bigger uh, section of tests that actually when you give your urine a sample of your urine to a doctor and they will send it to a lab and then they will do all kinds of things with it to see what grows uh, in your urine in different circumstances and you're going to be looking at a variety of bacteria so um or let's talk about the pros and cons of this approach right so this I, you know, I kind of like to call it the more direct test. We're actually looking for what lives in your bladder rather than, you know, signs of sy- or symptoms of what's living in your bladder. So there is a very wide range of tests under this, and we, we won't cover all of them at all. But um, the, the, the caveat with this is just because something grows doesn't mean it's causing an infection. And that's something that's really important not only for people who have UTIs, but also for doctors to remember that not everything is growing um, is necessarily causing an infection. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, the most common one that um, many people who've had uh, recurrent UTIs have seen is likely um, a urine culture. So the urine is taken to the lab and it's grown on some type of media and something grows, some type of bacteria grows out. So this could be definitely what grows out, um, could be an infection causing bacteria, but also um, it could be um, something else, a contaminant from the vagina or um, from the anus, it could be skin bacteria, it could be lots of different things that grow that grow out. What uh, these tests try to do um, is to determine if there's bacteria in your in the bladder. Um, again, we always know that there is bacteria in the bladder. We want to know what's the infection causing bacteria in the bladder. And then based on your specific, you know, history, symptoms prior infections, prior um, antibiotic treatments, your personal history, you make a detailed plan with your doctor to determine, does this test result really change my management? Does this test result mean that I truly have an infection that's being caused by this bacteria or not? These tests will, you know, possibly grow out bacteria, but that is not the end. That's not 
the whole story. The whole story really is that bacteria in combination with your symptoms, your history, and what's going on in your kind of recurrent UTIs. Right. So in, uh, whenever we think about culture, useful test in our tw- 21st century, we need to remember that it was developed in the last century, in the mid of last century, and it was developed uh, under the notion that uh, your, your bladder is sterile. So if something grows in your urine, then most likely it is a pathogen that is causing your symptoms, not just some sort of a microbiome that is normally present in your urine. And something that uh, more and more tests uh, uh, demonstrate nowadays, uh, that when we compare a urine from a healthy patient to a urine of a patient with symptoms, with urinary tract infection symptoms, we can see that they have very similar microbiome. It's just a certain type of bacteria, not necessarily the one we always think uh, the culprit, but could be type of bacteria that we don't really naturally culture present in little larger quantities. And we still don't know if the bacteria present, does it mean that it's also causing a problem or is just is there and it's always going to be there? And I mentioned that there's a wide range of tests. The most common that we think of the urine culture, um, like um, Anastasia said, was kind of developed in the 1950s and it was developed for um, kind of acute raging infections, essentially. So for people who, you know, were in the hospital sick with a kidney infection. So that's different from, you know, someone who has, you know, recurrent kind of low-grade symptoms that don't require a hospitalization, obviously. The kind of, and the other um, extreme of that, going from cultures developed in the 1950s to kind of, um, and again, we're not going to go in deep diving into the different types of tests, but going to the other extreme of kind of DNA-based tests that really goes into the kind of very details of not only what bacteria you have, but what genes they have in their antibiotic resistance and, you know, all of these different intricate details. Um, again, all of this gives us information, but we still need to think of this in the context of the um, patient. And that thing of correlation versus causation, many people might have concerning bacteria to some degree in their bladder has to be tied to what their symptoms are, where they are in their, you know, antibiotic course to really determine if these things that we see under the microscope or with genome studies or whatever the test is, if that that finding is relevant um, for treatment. And that's really where it's, you know, don't just look at the the test result, but really kind of integrate that into your personal history. A specific treatment is needed for you at this time. Right. And I guess that's one of the reasons to always ask for a post-treatment test, uh, if, you know, if you can probably, right? Because it can, in, in, in general, to help you to see if uh, your symptoms subside when the population of bacteria is no longer uh, present at the quantity that was present during the infection, or would it not really make much of a difference? That's a hard question. I, I've definitely seen both ways. I know some people really like to get that kind of post you know, antibiotic um, test or cure. I guess the hard thing to do with that is And I think what I really try to think whenever I order a test is how does this change what I'm going to do? So if I get a test after I've been treated with antibiotics and it's negative, well, yes, that's great. That tells me what I know. Then I guess the question is, if I get a test 
afterwards, I'm completely asymptomatic and I still have, you know, something showing up in the test, whether it's, you know, um, we talked about a dipstick to, you know, a genome study that shows, you know, whatever test it is. The question is, what do you do with that? And I think you really have to go in before the test results, knowing what you're going to do rather than having the test be a reactionary thing. Because if you go in and you're asymptomatic and you see some test that's positive for whatever it's positive for, and that um, makes you want to go down a route of antibiotics or all of those things, that's to some extent um, really just looking at the test and not the whole situation. Again, it might be appropriate to treat with antibiotics. Um, in some situations, it might not, but it's always really important to think before you take a test, why am I taking it and how is it going to change what I do? So that's always a key thing to ask your doctor for whatever test they order for you. Why am I taking it and what is it, how is it going to change how I'm treated? Right, and uh, but I guess the answer from a, a urologist in that case, especially folks that are so locked in and this mentality of um, bacteria is the only reason for your symptoms, uh, is that they are very quickly uh, to jump from uh, looking at the test, okay, the bacteria, uh, the certain type of bacteria are present in your cultures, we give you antibiotics, you feel better after antibiotics, and look, this type of bacteria are no longer uh, there at the same numbers, must something must have worked um, and I, that's one of this you know one more of these examples of causation versus correlation that uh, sure when you take antibiotics there would be a bunch of variety of uh, microorganisms that are going to stop um, multiplicating at the previous speed you know that you're going to probably suppress growth of many, many different bacteria in your bladder. But uh, are we looking at the ones that were actually responsible for your symptoms in the first place? It's just the ones that we have uh, suppressed could be more sensitive to the same type of antibiotic. Unnecessarily, they are also the same that were causing your symptoms. The notion of treating infection has been kind of uh, still grows from the premises that your bladder is sterile. It's so easy to jump to this conclusion of, looking at bacterial growth, prescribing antibiotics, seeing less of a bacterial growth, concluding that treatment was a success, right? It's true. We, yeah, if you take antibiotics and the test is different somehow, then you say, well, it's got to be the antibiotics. But then obviously time can make the, the infection get better. Antibiotics are often anti-inflammatory. So that can make, you know, there's a lot of things that um, other than antibiotics that could help an infection, even if the the next test is better. That's definitely true. Right. And similar to pyuria that, uh, you know, antibiotics, when you take them, will uh, mitigate this, uh, you know, signs of inflammation to a certain extent. Uh, these two groups of tests that we have introduced earlier for you in this episode, none of them really work. <laughs> none of them will really be able to pinpoint uh, the cause. Um, many of them will show correlation. And um, that's kind of a main thought here. Uh, and we just tried to introduce you to kind of camps of philosophy and two different approaches to um, uh, how to tie the results to, uh, to the observations, I guess, or how to tie the uh, treatment to the observations that this is you know, pyuria or is this bacterial growth. Um, but at the end of the day, um, if the answer is antibiotics in, 
in both of these cases. We don't really have any alternative looked at. What I'm trying to tell you here is that uh, we've been observing so many different cases with a variety of different diagnoses, going through exactly the same treatment plan of a plan of, uh, of uh, prolonged antibiotic usage and then you know feeling better. But we don't really have much of documented cases where the same type of patients would receive something alternative, you know, and would be followed up with the same kind of a routine and rigor as the ones that are taking antibiotic courses. So something to keep that in mind. So I don't know, it's, it's a very depressing note to finish the episode on. But, <laughs> and, uh, but it's, unfortunately, it's the truth. So uh, for every hammer, uh, everything, for a hammer, everything is a nail. And so for a physician who prefers uh, tests that are looking at the bacterial growth, and they will link their therapy to the bacterial growth related tests and to, to show you, okay, no more bacteria, okay, antibiotics work. And folks that uh, tie their um, treatment plans to pyuria, they will also demonstrate the results in a similar fashion. And in, in both camps, uh, folks might achieve results with their symptoms subsiding, but we don't really have any third way being introduced here just, of, just yet. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, and um, we we just were hoping, to be honest with you, to kind of educate you first in general about two different types of tests. Obviously, there are many of them, but like to generalize, there's just you know two, uh, and uh, to arm you with questions that you can ask uh, next time a physician suggests a treatment plan and another test. Um, and those tests, uh, those, those questions are um, just mentioned briefly, but basically you want to ask how this, uh, how the results of this test, uh, how, how are you sure that the results of this test are, how are they related to how I feel? You know, are you sure that what's happening when you're observing my urine is the cause of my symptoms? Have we ruled out everything else? Just because I have this finding on my urine study, whatever that finding is, is that what is causing my symptoms? And again, that's that correlation versus causation. You might have symptoms and you might have UTI, um, you might have urine test findings, but does that mean that they're, they're the same thing? Right, and uh, unfortunately, your doctor most likely will uh, will will just say, "Of course, yes." It's a you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a best, it's a golden standard. That's how we do it. And uh, NHS prescribed us, or FDA approved that. And um, yeah, there is really not much to add to it. That you kind of are the hands of the physician who uh, made up their mind of how to approach this um, um, the subject and. You know, uh, as a patient, you can just try to try to offer some alternative options if you want to try uh, with the physician with you know with their supervision. And we're going to talk about other alternative options and what you can try, what you can offer, how you can bargain with your physician about long-term antibiotic treatment before you started. Other episodes down the road. You know, the physician medical um, standpoint, there is um, a lot of new um, education, and I think. A lot of us are learning um, as we are treating our patients. And I think there are a lot more um, physicians who are realizing there are problems and there are negative side effects of long-term antibiotics and looking for alternatives. And so many um, physicians are starting to look at alternative treatments for, for antibiotics and trying to limit um, antibiotic resistance. So there is um, knowledge on both ends and I don't think it's as 
dire. <laughs> yeah, find find a position who is progress who is a progressive in terms of their continuous education. And another thing is that uh, tests are getting a little bit more granular. Actually, something I wanted us to mention is that not all uh, obviously not all DNA based tests tests are similar. Um, they all have different kind of um, way of how they are performed and their um, the library of uh, bacteria that they they have to compare your bacteria to and whatever. Basically, the precision is different. But uh, I wanted to highlight one particular test, uh, which is the most expensive one, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it's uh, periomics, which last time I checked in 2018 was about $1,000 per test. Um, the difference between these DNA-based tests and all others is that this one uh, looks at a strain of your bacteria. Uh, they don't just identify the type of bacteria such as, okay, it's E. coli, um, but they actually tell you the strain. And we already starting to get to know our bacteria a little bit more closer, I guess. Uh, and we know that there are certain strains that are virulent and can cause an infection and other strains of the same E. coli bacteria are much less virulent and will not cause an infection. And the only side effect you will observe is a smelly urine or cloudy urine. For example, culture tests can't do it or a regular DNA-based test will not give you that precision. So, I mean, uh, eventually perhaps once we know this, um, once we uh, invest more time and money into this subject, not we, but you know, they, <laughs> uh, we will get to the point that um, your physician will know exactly the um, the landscape of your bladder microbiome and uh, would be able to kind of point out which bacteria are harmless and which potentially can be causing a trouble and which are responsible for which type of symptoms. But right now, basically, we don't know yet. And with that test, it can really go down to this very fine granular level and determine what type of E. coli you have. And that gives you a little bit more information on should I really treat this bacteria that is going to cause an infection or this bacteria that just causes light, annoying symptoms? Um, so th that's something to look for on the horizon. Unfortunately, um, these tests are not always covered by insurance because they are sometimes considered investigational by insurance companies and um, there are high out-of-pocket costs. Um, and not, uh, not all doctors can even comprehend the difference between uh, bacterial strains and, and adjust their treatment or diagnosis based on that information. It still is highly research driven. Um, your doctor will not be able to change your treatment plan based on the strain of E. coli, most likely. You can talk them into not treating your E. coli if you looked up on Google that your strain is more or less friendly and say, hey, doc, I, I, these are friendly guys, uh, <laughs> the fire. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, back to being your own advocate. Uh, we, had a, we had a long and productive discussion. So let's wrap it up and um, we'll see you guys. We'll talk to you guys soon again. Till next time.